Hello and welcome back to For the Water Cooler, the podcast where you get to chat with your favorite co-workers about what you watched last night. I'm Matt Scalisi and joining me is my virtual office buddy, Caroline Darney. Hi, Caroline. Welcome Hi. welcome back from uh, Barbenheimer weekend. I am appropriately dressed for the occasion. What, what can you describe? You've got, yeah. a, you've got a Barbenheimer t-shirt. I do. It looks like one. I like it because it looks like an old like Guns N' Roses band tee. Um, <laughs> so, big fan. Thanks, Etsy. Shout out to Etsy. Um, it arrived like Thursday for my what ended up being Saturday showing after some shenanigans with my sweet, sweet puppy this week. Dog, my adult dog that I call a puppy. Um, but yeah, so Barbenheimer weekend. Uh, I actually, because of said... Uh, dealings with the emergency vet she's doing great folks <laughs> folks listening at home um i did not get to do the desired order that i wanted to do. and what was your original plan can you my original plan that? was a, a 10 30 a.m oppenheimer wake up with a trinity test um <laughs> into a 4:45 with like a little bit you know so a little bit of gap in there 4:45 barbie so go serious have some decompression time to think about what i really just watched and then head into barbie for some for some fun um but what's ended up being funny about it is like barbie has consumed a lot of my thoughts like just as much as if not more than oppenheimer which is not something i w- would have thought <laughs> uh going into it so i, I- was like it's going to be super fun time and it's going to make me laugh. And, I'll, and it did. And it was super fun time. But I also cried maybe four times. <laughs> I I definitely would say that 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 ended up being the case for me, too. And we will talk about Barbie later yeah. in the show yep. with Alex McDaniel, who's our guest this week, our fearless leader for the super win. Excited about this. Uh, she's going to be joining us to talk about Barbie. We're we're doing an all Barbenheimer show this week, so we're not doing any headlines like normal. Nope. We are just going straight into the two biggest things to happen in entertainment this weekend and pop culture. I mean, this is not only not only the biggest movie weekend of the year. But honestly, Caroline, I think this is like the biggest pop culture thing that's happened this entire year. I mean, this is, this is a real phenomenon that the kind that we don't normally get these days, you know, like we we did our rants last week about streaming and how (laughs) it's kind of broken up culture and nobody's watching the same things at the same time. Well, that happened this weekend. Everybody saw these two movies this weekend. And it's really cool because you can go around and talk to almost all your friends about these two movies now this week. And I lost track and I apologize for not having it right in front of me, but the numbers that they did that Barbenheimer as a, as a whole did over the weekend is what's so impressive. I think this was like the first like time where both big, like two big movies or two movies opened with 80 million plus in the, cause there's a lot where it's like, Oh, these two movies, yes. the top two movies combined for, 200,000, 200 million, like this did, but, or 250 million, whatever it ended up being. Um, but it was like, oh, Endgame got 120 or right. whatever, 200 million, 220 million. And this other, the number two one got 20 million. So this is the first time that it was, I think, a 50 50, even an 80 80. I know the 80 80 one is because it, it may, I know Oppenheimer made 80.5 or something in the first week. And what's really remarkable about it, right? It was a huge weekend at the box office in general. Yeah. What's really strange and totally unique about it is that this has never happened for even one movie, let alone two that are not 
part of a big yeah. manufactured franchise, right? And, or sequels and, or... And I'm not saying that, that yeah. Avengers movies don't count or that right. Avatar movies don't count. They're movies. But the movies like this, movies yeah. like a three-hour biopic about uh, about a sad scientist and a, <laughs> and a movie by a sort of indie darling feminist yeah. filmmaker that's like a, a, a self-aware look at patriarchy those are the two movies that did like if you describe those to someone they'd be like so i the, one of the first things i sent to our, our uh, lovely coworker blake i texted him after oppenheimer and i was like this movie had no business being this interesting because it's three hours of dudes talking <laughs> and it definitely had no no uh no business making as much money as it right. did too. Not that that's the only thing that matters here. Well, but like, the, I think biggest non-Dark Knight opening for Christopher Nolan. So this, this is what's really cool to me. It's like, one, when people talk about Barbenheimer, that was not a studio-driven thing. That was not a marketing thing. Like we can talk about happened. the huge budget that Barbie actually had for marketing. And I think it was brilliant the way that they did it because it also, with the IP and with Mattel and, you know, Barbie, yes, it is a merch factory, but all of the other, like they had the collaborations with the luggage company base. They had the, the kitsch with the hair stuff, the hair rollers and the, whatever they had the Airbnb stuff. They had, you know, all of these activations that you, I think that you saw, but in my opinion, as someone who's on social media, on Instagram, I was interested in the ads. They weren't ones where I was like, because they all kind of made sense. Like I was kind of like, ooh, is Corksicle going to do one? Because I might get a Barbie cup <laughs> to well, go with my superhero one. So that's what, they obviously spent money on marketing, but you then look at the Barbenheimer, like why I'm wearing a Barbenheimer t-shirt is because literally people on the internet were like, how funny is this? That this movie about Barbie, the doll, that's so pink and glittery is coming out the same weekend as the father of the atomic bomb. And we're <laughs> going to be so different and it became a thing. And now we have, I can't, we have saw patrol. <laughs> you know, I do hope, look, uh, of course, easily. Hollywood always learns the law, the wrong lesson yeah, from a big success. And, and I don't even want to speculate how they will get this room, this one wrong. It's going to be I, I, what I hope baby what, movie. And yeah. What I ideally hope would happen is that they look at this and say, what happened here is that unlike what we've been doing for basically the past 10 years and what we're fighting the unions to be able to do right now. Yeah. We, we, all we did here was we took two artists with totally unique perspectives and we said, here is all the money you want. Go make whatever movie you want. I mean, there's no way that the studio had much to do with Barbie. And we're, I don't, again, I don't want to get too into it, but yeah. like, it's a movie that makes fun of the people that paid for the movie. Yes. Um, so yeah. there's no way that they, that they were giving a lot of notes about what this movie yeah. is going to be about. And in the case of Oppenheimer, this is a very long movie. And it's also, it's also a very talky movie because I think a lot of the hype coming up, leading up to this movie is, was about the explosion and how it was made and how little computer effects were used to make yeah. it. And it is a, it is a cool scene in the movie, Yeah, but I don't think what people, and look, spoiler, spoiler alert. If you have, there will be spoilers will in here. Cause try I'm not to try not to yeah. ruin it for you. Well, but when, when you see the Trinity test, which is yeah. where the first atomic explosion happens, 
there's still an hour of the movie left yeah. after that. And it's a very different. So I actually had this so I, we can get straight into Oppenheimer. Yeah, let's do it. The movie, again, three hours and it's 180 on the dot. Like it is three. It is like a three hour. Exactly three hours. 180. And again, I don't think me personally, I understand there's people that have will have different opinions on this. But I thought that what Christopher Nolan did so incredibly is one casted it impeccably because, again, it's people talking for three hours with one huge arm in the middle. And I was I'm not saying I'm on the edge of my seat. The thing is, this isn't what is going to be difficult or what's interesting about this type of movie is it's not super rewatchable, right? One, just from from heft of time that you would have to commit to be like, hey, what do you guys want to do? You want to throw on Oppenheimer real quick? And And it's it's not, it's not, it's not, look, I, I, I want to go back to, you were talking about your watch order for these movies, right? Yeah, yeah. I watched Oppenheimer at 10.30 a.m. on on Friday. And I then... I, I didn't see Barbie until Sunday afternoon. Uh, and, and in the middle, I went with my family to see a uh, sister act at a local movie theater around here. So I'm, and I'm glad sister act was in there. You the Barbenheimer weekend with sister yeah, act. I, I, I did the, uh, the little known uh, Oppenheimer sister act Barbie watching order, but I needed it because this is not a life affirming no. movie. And I'm not saying no. I disagree with like the perspective of this movie, it 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 is it is meant to make you a little bit bummed and horrified about the world that you live in right now yeah. and that's totally valid it isn't a feeling that i like sitting with and it isn't yeah. affirming uh and it it doesn't it doesn't give me warm fuzzies okay no. and i'm not saying that Definitely all art intent. yeah art, art is not all supposed to do that but barbie definitely does and i will rewatch barbie a lot yeah but i like will you said barbie hundreds of times this is i actually in having a conversation with again with blake today i was like look here's the thing because now this feels like a movie that in two years whatever the cycle is where it ends up on tnt um someone will tweet out someone tweet this is something that or sorry whenever we're now on blue sky whatever the blue sky things are we'll say we'll make a we'll post like oh hey oppenheimer's on tnt it's almost to the trinity test and then you pop on (laughs) and then you watch the last hour because it's a very different last hour what a great description yeah i mean look it's the opening the 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 early part of this movie in a lot of ways is the most miserable part to watch because, and, and, and everybody's performances in the movie are great the whole way through. And and we'll talk about a couple of them specifically to single them out. But um, the P the characters in this movie are mostly deeply unpleasant people. (laughs) Um, And all of them are including the title character. I mean, you're talking about a guy like I've seen, there's really dumb dialogue happening on social media about this movie. Like there's some people who are like, we didn't make this guy. uh, I've seen some people say that the movie makes him into a hero. I've seen some people say that uh, it doesn't do it enough, but like, look, there's no question. Christopher Nolan wants you to be aware that this is a, this is a, at best a complicated guy not a not a great guy he he cheats on his wife in the first hour of the movie he has um, another woman cheat on her husband with him <laughs> yes and and he also he also i mean as much as this is a simplification of the situation but he sort of like drives another woman to suicide and doesn't really care right so like it's a it's not a good person 
Um, he's driven to do something, to accomplish something. Uh, and it's the only thing he cares about. And he doesn't care about the consequences of it, of it after he does it, which I think is, is kind of a very uh, interesting way to look at the sort of prototypical male hero, right? Like yeah. I, I think that's sort of Christopher Nolan breaking down what the, the kinds of people that we often lift up and say, look at this, this great man and everything he accomplished. Well, the way he did it, was not caring how he did it and not caring what happened after he did it. I think he cared a little after. I think well, eventually they, he did, but he, he wasn't he thinking about it while he was right. working on it. Yeah. And the way that they did those scenes, and this is where we'll talk about Killian Murphy, Cillian Murphy, Killian Murphy, Killian Murphy. Um, he's flawless. He, the emotion, the, it just, all of it is so good. And, and, uh, there's something to be said. And I think I saw a little bit of discussion. I'm working on a post on this where it's kind of like, because this movie is full of like, Hey, that's that guy. And, and oh, it's so a, many that guys in this movie. And it's important that they're that guys because you have to remember them because there are so many people coming yeah, in and out of this great movie point. that are very similar, that are scientists or professors. And honestly, they all have the same three piece suits yes. on and sometimes they're in hats. And so it's a lot kind of white like, dudes basically. Yeah. And, and you're kind of like, which guy was that? And so when you have someone is like, Oh, there's Casey Affleck. You remember that that was Casey Affleck and you remember that, you know, and I saw you, you also, like, you also mentioned probably the most important casting of a that guy in this movie which is Rami Malek who is yes. a has an unbelievably small part in this his, movie. His what is it his like usage rate is through the roof. Like think of it's your favorite NBA player that gets out hits five threes <laughs> and out that is Rami Malek in this movie. But but it is important that they cast an extremely famous and recognizable yeah. person for the part because when there there is without spoiling it again like it's important that every time you see this person and there will be very few times you see them, you recognize their face and you yeah. don't go, who is that guy again? Like it's, yeah. it, it, it's you necessary that you remember him. him. Yeah. yeah. And so you have, I think it was, I saw there are three recent ish. I don't know when Gary Oldman got his, but three best actor award winners in this movie and two of them, Casey Affleck and Rami Malek have maybe a combined four minutes of screen time. Maybe. <laughs> so, and so then you look at like, this is the Jar Josh Hartnett Renaissance. Like our guy is back. He was in an episode of black mirror, which if you haven't seen it, it is a devastating episode, him and Aaron Paul. It is so good in the sense that like, it is a very, it feels very black mirror. It's a little bit like people are like, Oh, the new season is not black mirror enough. I don't know. Whatever. It was a, good episode in the fact that like it will mess you up so therefore it's a good black mirror episode um but he's fantastic in it and there's a scene with emily blunt and you'll know it when you get it that is breathtaking like it is breathtakingly good and she it's one i hate to be one of those people that's like oh locked it up you know best actress best supporting actress but honestly like Good Lord, she just dominated this. And that's every single person dominated every opportunity that they had on screen. And that's what, to me, makes this movie so good. And the music, the music was now, its own character. Like, yes. Now, I, oh. I do, I do want to say, because, because look, ultimately, it's unfair to compare two movies to each other. Oh, it's like these are so different. Yeah. But ultimately, I 
I come away from this weekend with a lot more thoughts about Barbie than I do mm-hmm. Oppenheimer. I think Oppenheimer is really, really good. I don't think it's a piece of art that I will think about every day for a long time. Yes. But every there's no question that everybody involved in it did their jobs incredibly well. And number one on the list of who did their jobs well is Ludwig Göransson, who yes. absolutely smashes this score. Uh, I mean, there's a there's a sequence early in the movie that basically only exists for you to hear the score. Like it's a bunch of sort of flashing images that don't really make a lot of sense and they're not telling a story. And it's just to make you hear this piece of score that Gorenson did that is unbelievably like powerful, impactful. It's basically, you are like hearing a whole person's life. Yes, the score score is so interesting. I love like movie scores because I think, I don't know if we had this conversation, but my sister and I went to see um, Star Wars in concert up in DC. And then- Love it. National Symphony Orchestra did start, you know, it's a one to two pieces from each of the nine episodes plus solo plus That's so cool. Rogue One. You know, it was great. And it was incredible. And you kind of think about like, realistically, I know this sounds so dumbed down because when you think about like, but like a John Williams is to this day and age, again, people don't get mad at me for this, but just think about like the way that the music is being created. There aren't a lot of people that are getting big name, like in just classical music, a la like when we think of classical music now, when I think of classical music, I, ch- I tend to think of scores in the sense. No, that I totally recent, agree. Yeah. Recent classical music to me are these big sweeping scores that you get from, you know, the Hans Zimmers and the, and the John Williams and the Louis Gordonsons and, and, as opposed to like back in the day, that was like all the music that was being made when it was. No, this is, this is the only time that we get to hear a sound that big anymore yes. in, in modern times. Yeah. There's with score. There's a few times, like if you notice the score, it's one of two things. It's not very good. And it's kind of cutting in, or in this case, it was so perfectly intertwined that you're just like, you're aware of it. Cause the other thing is a lot of times you don't really pay that much attention to it. And that's not really saying it's a bad score or like not helping, but if you, you know, there's so many that I'm not aware of it while I'm watching the movie, this elevated the like the cinema experience in that. I just cannot get over that. And like, yep. to be fair, it doesn't have, I'm just Ken, which, you know, point. <laughs> Definitely a very different vibe from the Barbie yeah, story. Like, yes. Coming out of that, I've been listening I, to the Barbie soundtrack on repeat, but I will definitely, it's just, that's the stuff that I was more excited about Barbie. I, and again, I'm with you. Enjoyed isn't really the right word to talk about watching this movie. I don't. I'm think. impressed by it, and I'm and I was yeah. impacted by it. And I, I would say it's gonna show up at the Oscars. It's like I give it like a nine, nine and a half out of ten, easy. Like yeah, I, I think it was I incredible. Think that, I think yeah. that Nolan will be a factor at the Oscars. I think that Gorenson will be. And the other, the other thing too is there's like half a dozen performances that you could put up for best supporting they, actor. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, and RBJ, Robert Downey Robert Jr. Robert Downey Jr. is going to get the most love. It's a really cool, uh, I, 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 won't, I won't go into specifics about the performance because I, I, that's something I don't want spoiled for you. But yeah. it is a very different performance for him from what well, we are used to seeing. And he's, it's cool to see him moving into an era of his career where he's not just playing sort of standard leading man with his, classic smirk um, yes. he's actually doing something 
he's like sort of entered his older actor phase and he's and he's this is a great way to start that so and i think it's really interesting because there were some people that were like oh thank goodness he got away from a mar like for marvel like saved his like but no marvel saved his career like that was one of the most important castings of yeah and, and you also can't play off people's expectations of you unless people have expectations. Right. Of you. And so what I thought was so, cause I don't think he, I didn't going into this. I didn't think he was a bad actor or not acting. I think he's outstanding as Tony Stark, but the problem why he doesn't get enough credit for that is because I think we think that's close to what Robert Downey. Yeah. <laughs> we think that he just rolled in because he's charismatic. He's charming. He's got the smirk. So we kind of just think like, Oh, this is Robert Downey Jr. Being Robert Downey Jr. He's not even trying that hard. And so when people see this performance and he is incredible, like I just, it was just so good. And, and I, I'm with you. I won't say a bunch about what stuff happened to like save spoilers. Yeah. All, but- he was so good. And so I think that's why he's getting even more love. But I think we just need to, I don't, again, I'm in the, like, let's not completely talk down on all the, like, it's still acting in the MCU. Like, I will fight people. It's fine. But I think that's probably why it feels like such a big difference is because we're mm-hmm. like attributing more credit to this because it has the loftier. It's, you know, he's, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have cast him for this part. And, and I would have um, been, yeah. been wrong. But yeah. Yeah, the other one, too. <laughs> That I, I don't think we'll get enough love is Matt Damon yes. in this movie because <laughs> Matt Damon. This is a this is kind of it's kind of a thankless part because yeah. he you kind of it's one of those roles where like you kind of could have cast anybody in it and that's almost what makes it more important that you put somebody really good in it yeah. to make it something other than just this is a person who's here for plot exposition to move things forward and that's what Matt Damon does better than I think anybody in Hollywood is he does not go for these parts that are meant to make him look awesome or meant to like, let him stretch his acting chops. Matt Damon, every movie that Matt Damon is in, he's in it because he wants to serve the movie and make the movie better. And he totally does that here. Have you heard him tell the story that he was supposed to be taking a like break from acting and like literally was in like not couples. I think he said couples therapy. So I'm not trying to like, make. (laughs) I'm not trying to make some like comment about his relationship, but like in, I think normal therapy with his wife that they, yes. Healthy people go to therapy. People go to therapy. They had basically come to this, like he's going to take a break and they put in a caveat that was like, unless Christopher Nolan calls (laughs) And and he didn't even know he was working on anything. And they were all, everyone, this was like on kind of, I think it was a Vanity Fair thing maybe where they're all kind of like in a round table or sitting around talking. Christopher Nolan was there. And all like Killian Murphy was the same. He was like, oh yeah, no, that's kind of like when Chris calls, you never know when he's going to call, but when he calls, because he had been in um, Interstellar with him. Right. And another case of Matt Damon, just like serving the movie. Like there's, there's no way any other big star would have been attracted to that part that he plays. Yeah. Cause unlike when we talk about the, that guys, this one did not necessarily need a huge name or a, that guy, because they were in it enough that you would remember who they were throughout. And so this wasn't one that necessarily needed this like huge get, but Matt, I thought he was, he was phenomenal because he hits the right notes. And I, I do honestly think that he gets a bad, I don't know. Like he's a really good actor. 
actor. He's awesome. The more things He's I one see, of the best stars we have. Yeah, and it's it's all it's mostly because of Team America. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> he even said back in an interview, I think it was like a Jimmy Fallon one. Like, someone he asked him like if anyone quotes his lines to him, and he's like, he said one. I forget, of course, I forget what the one was that he said. But then he's like, but otherwise they just say my name. Like it was Team America. Yeah, I, and like I, that's devastating. <laughs> There, there's one other that I want to mention, and we yeah. could just go on all day. Listen, I know we were good in this movie, but <laughs> producer Chandler's like, cut it out. <laughs> Benny Safdie um, yeah. is plays a sort of like Eastern European scientist who's working on the project, and and again, like just one of like a dozen or so guys mm-hmm. like that in the movie, but a really good, like a, a very weird casting choice because. For people who aren't aware, Benny Safdie is actually a, a writer director. He's the guy. He's one of the guys that made uh, uh, Uncut Gems a few years ago. But he's also done some acting, and it's really weird to put him in this movie because he's just you, he he's sort of kind of this like off-putting, sweaty, uh, yes, like very- like this guy who kind of makes the room uncomfortable when he's in it. Yeah. And again, like just. It's it's a very specific casting choice, and he plays it really well. Yeah, uh, as this sort of like he's a he's a genius, but he's also like kind of oafish, you know, like yeah. a very subtle, weird, unique performance. Just so many of these in that yeah. in the movie. Again, like this is just one of those cases where everybody in this movie was really good at their job. Yeah, it was. I, I'm. Honestly, as much as it, as it was a difficult watch, I think it was so incredibly well done. I, I enjoyed the entire Barbenheimer experience was 10, 10, 10 out of 10. No notes. Hollywood, <laughs> don't mess this up. Don't turn this into we want another like science biopic. Biopic. I always say that the wrong way. <laughs> uh, we don't want another like scientist story plus uh, Beanie Baby story. Like just give us good new fresh ideas to balance out again i love them. christopher nolan's <laughs> beanie babies yeah actually I would, I would watch that but yeah like that was the takeaway for me is like and it's also when you look at you know what there have been you know movies that were catered to women i feel like this is more of one that wasn't like marketed as a like romance if that makes sense so like we've had like even no it's like little it's women, not really romantic yeah yeah there's not like no sorry i mean bar i'm like talking a little bit oh okay okay serving, serving your like your audience right this is what we want yeah sure i would just take away from this is like there are if you if you give especially like in that sense like women a smart funny story that isn't just a rom-com or a girl's trip not saying that those movies aren't fun and that people won't go see them like I'm still mad that I missed Joyride before it left Alamo because like I'll double check to see if it comes back because I really wanted to see that. There's a lot of like really strong female led movies, but this was like a blockbuster directed at a group that really was dying to have something like this. And so to have that the same weekend as you know, walking into the theater was like a communal experience and it was so fun and I cannot wait to have, I just hope that there's going to be more of this. She says stupidly as the strike. <laughs> I know it's <laughs> counter, it's counter programming, you know, like you yeah. really can make stuff for everybody. You yeah. And you could do that in different movies. You don't have yeah. to make one movie that's yep. designed to be for everybody. Yeah. You can, you can counter program. I, I, I'm with you. I, I hope this is, I mean, look, obviously, I hope the strikes get resolved in a way that's equitable to the to the particularly yeah. the people doing the work. 
but I, I hope once that does get resolved, that we see more stuff like this, that yeah. we have more weekends where there's something for everybody at the theater yeah. and we're all there at the same time. And the, the, uh, you know, th- there's so much popcorn being sold that the theaters finally have to actually hire more than like two teenagers who are uh, having a panic attack because they don't have enough help. I had to, to service everybody multiple like time slots to find one where I could get a seat that I want. Man, love it. I lo- yeah. I'm so happy but that this so happened. Still yeah. go see Mission Impossible because that studio dropped the ball releasing it the week before Barbie. They sure did. They go sure see did. Mission Impossible. It's really good. Go see all three of these movies. Yeah, Do it. They'll hopefully all be out for a while. Yeah. All right. Well, we will take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the second half of the weekend's double bill. And that would be Greta Gerwig's Barbie. So we'll be right back. All right, welcome back for the second half of the Barbenheimer episode. We're going to talk about Barbie. We promised you a special guest, our good good friend and managing editor for the win, Alex McDaniel. But thanks to some technical difficulties, which were unavoidable. Well, I don't know. You know how it is. Technical difficulties, they happen. We weren't able to bring that together this week, but we do promise, dear listeners, that we will, in the very near future, have Alex come back on because she's a gem and a delight. Um, but... On with the show. I guess this, this is show business, Matt. So here we go. We we push through. We we make do. Yeah, we're not we're not you know we're we're working here like the scientists at Los Alamos, and we are <laughs> we are determined to do serious damage to our audience, regardless of whether what what obstacles we run into. But hopefully, a little less emotional consternation for the second half as we get to talk about the actually we, no honestly i, no, I think i cried not. more I cried <laughs> more Barbie. But we're going to talk about greta gerwig's masterpiece can i say that masterpiece uh the barbie movie matt what was your did you have expectations going in like what did you think barbie was going to be about <laughs> i really I, I had some very basic ideas i think based on the fact that greta gerwig was directing it and yeah. that she co-wrote it with noah bombach who i you know i i would say those two are i would place among the smartest people that have m- been making movies for the past 10 years i i i can't say that i've seen everything the two of them have made but they have both made some yeah. movies that I think have kind of bubbled up to the surface of, of pop culture enough that people would have seen them. You had Noah Baumbach made a marriage story a few years ago. They got nominated for best picture, yeah. uh, which is a really great movie and also will make you cry. And, uh, you know, uh, great cr- memes came out of a lot of great memes too. out of that movie. Yes. Yeah. And, and Greta Gerwig, I think has done a, a number of interesting things, but little women, I think is the thing that yeah. probably more people have seen of yeah. her than anything else. And again, just a, another example of in that case, I think a story that many people already know and have probably seen other movie versions of, and she did something totally unique with it and made it interesting in a new way um, and emotional in a new way to a lot of people. And um, you know, that said, I, I, for ever since we heard this movie was coming out, I was confused as to why those two people would be attracted to making a movie <laughs> sure. that is essentially an adaptation of a toy. Yep. And man, somehow through some miracle, these two people were allowed to make this movie and doesn't, I mean, look, if it got changed by the studio heads, I don't know what they took out because what yeah. they left in is incredibly 
self-aware and mm-hmm. making fun of the the thing that this movie is about while at the same time kind of looking at it in a way that that makes it interesting and and makes us realize that it actually is kind of important it was oh my god i just sat there and again i didn't know i talked to um Issa Rae back in a couple months ago for an nba at&t final nba finals at&t crossover thing and I asked her about Barbie because I had seen all of these trailers that started to come out. And I was like, I have consumed every little bit of content that I possibly can about this movie. And I have no idea what it could possibly be about. And I meant it. In, and I told her, I was like, I could not be more excited. This is not an insult. Like, this is not like a, you know, criticism. And she was like, just go into it like that. And so I took that to heart. She was like, just don't try and don't try and figure it out. Just go into it and enjoy it and and i honestly it was just so it was one beautifully made and the attention to detail and you know that's very greta gerwig like you said it's been really cool to watch her evolve or her projects evolve maybe is the better word or her audiences evolve because ladybird is probably the first one that most people yeah that's true that maybe yeah. but again that was like it finished in the i think mid-teens with like money it made like this wasn't like a it might have been in the hundreds of thousands i don't know anyway it, it was a it was a, it was an oscar nominee though and it was yeah. and so yes you're right she yeah. has she has made a, a couple of breakthroughs before well and this. but what's really cool is you have lady bird which is this kind of you know mother-daughter story and something that i think a lot of people related to and then you go into little women which is a much bigger familiar story that you know again deals with a lot of like she brought to the surface in a new way like you said this this relationship between sisters and between family and and love interests and all of that and then you go into barbie that is now i think past five hundred thousand, uh five hundred thousand, five hundred million worldwide and like this is a movie this is it came out Friday. It's been out yeah. less than a week. It's been out a week today. I guess when you have like the Thursday showings, et cetera, et cetera. And like, it's, this is going to make a billion dollars. Yeah. Man. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to make a billion dollars. It's going to hit half a billion this weekend. Uh, it's this coming weekend. And then incredible. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of competition left out there for it. Uh, and, and amazingly, and we've, we've talked about this a little bit already, but, not not only did it was it not hindered by coming out the same week as Oppenheimer as a big Christopher Nolan movie, but they kind of seem to play off of each other yeah. and help each other make more money because they're both not only are they sort of for different audiences, but they're different vibes that yeah. might appeal to the same person enough to want to see both of them the same weekend, which obviously is something a lot of people did. And if you have if you have a two hour window <laughs> and want to run and you like I've got to like it's a lot easier to pop in and see Barbie, which is like, I oh, think absolutely. Hour, yes. Hour 50 I, or whatever. I, seriously, and- Caroline, it's also <laughs> like there is actually a math to this that uh, you'll hear theater owners like the theater chains will talk about that really long movies are not as appealing to them because they can't, they literally can't get as many showings. Yeah. You can't turn it over as fast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's the other part of it too is, and this isn't the only reason it's it's not making more money because they're showing it more times. They're showing it more times because again, people will buy those seats and will fill them. And what's also incredible is when you say like, there's not really that much competition going forward. And, and, you know, Oppenheimer's still going to be in theaters. Again, Mission Impossible is going to be in theaters. Go see Mission Impossible if you haven't. Yes. But there's something like, 
I, I've seen Mission Impossible twice already now. I saw Mission Impossible twice within the first week because I just absolutely love that movie. Um, but again, that's a different vibe. Like if I'm looking for something very specific, nothing else that is out right now or coming out in the near future will give me the same experience and just atmosphere that Barbie does. And it it's immediate. It's the colors. It's the opening of like just Lizzo is like the first thing you hear in this song pink that's so fun and upbeat and it's showing you what you know this stereotypical gorgeous Margot Robbie Barbie does every day but at the same time if you listen to the lyrics and, it, and it's the thing that's with have I been listening to the soundtrack all week yes I have <laughs> um and all week I mean weekend into the week I've just found the one last night I don't know how I didn't know this existed that has the Ryan Gosling version of push which oh, it is art. It's it gonna. Is, it's a. It's a, a big moment for the movies this year. I think when he says like, "I wanna take you for granted," oh, he does the like yep. whole like the the oh he chews up the word "granted." It's beautiful. But in pink, there's a part near the end where she does the like, "pee," like pretty, and the things that she lists are um, pretty intelligent, never sad, which I always think right. is one that's like. <laughs> oh, devastating because there's this expectation like that you can't be like you can't show these emotions you can't be sad and then k is cool and i think that is so funny too because in the same word that she's spelling out it says intelligent so clearly an intelligent person (laughs) wouldn't spell it k cool but it's also this kind of like insinuation that you have to be intelligent but also not too intelligent and i don't know maybe i'm reading into this too much you're not i don't think you're reading into it too much at all it's brilliant and it's the same thing like when they created the songs are all not all like i mean most 99 percent of them minus again like a cover of push or the the indigo girl song like that they listen to in the car um they're all made for the movie and so like there's lyrics that tie into things so you listen to what was i made for the billy eilish gorgeous song that probably my guess will also be nominated for i think so a, I think- a song against uh, i'm just ken and it's one of those it's really tough to like for me to have to take sides there because the timing and usage of um what was i made for is like the emotional note of the movie and the kind yeah. of i want to talk about that yeah, but there's a line in there, too, sure. again, talking about the sadness where he says, like, I can't tell my boyfriend that I'm sad because that's not what he's made for. And I was like, every single time I hear it, I'm like, oh, my God. So there's just all these, you know, and and not to rant about all these things, but it's just kind of like this discussion around why this movie is important and like why it connects. I mean, there are men that enjoy this movie and that's awesome. But like why a lot of women connect with this movie is there's some subtle and some not so subtle, like very not subtle, mm-hmm. um, like descriptions of, of what life is like and what women deal with on a daily basis. And it's, and it's so well done. And, and there are moments when it gets heavy handed, but there's always a good sharp, crisp joke at the right time that kind of like keeps it from being after school special preachy. And it's, it's just the whole thing is just so beautifully done that like watching it in a theater with, you know, probably it was probably like 90% women, but <laughs> the, the knowing laughs and the like, you know, kind of the, the joke about the, all of a sudden I have strong feelings about the Zack Snyder justice league. <laughs> it's oh, just man. like, it's, I forgot about that joke. It's, my uh, favorite. it's so good. But yeah. Yeah. It's I, I mean, look, I, I, I think that what's, you know, and I, I hate to, I hate to compare two movies to each other, but these two kind of invite that because of everything that's going on. 
for me, the reason, the reason that I come away from this weekend with a lot stronger feelings about Barbie than Oppenheimer, I think that Oppenheimer is an incredibly well-made film like we just yeah. talked about for yep. a long time. And I even think it has a lot of interesting things to say about the world, but I don't, I don't think that it speaks to my personal lived experience or the lived experience of people that I um, encounter most in my life. Yeah. Um, and I think that that doesn't, that doesn't mean it's a bad movie. It's trying to do something different. But for me, I think, I think that Barbie touches a lot of people, it, it, particularly women, obviously, right? Because it's very specifically speaking to, the, the life experience that women yeah. have in America. But for me, that also makes a big impact on me because it's giving me a window into the life of a lot of people who are very close to me, my yeah. wife, my daughter, my friends, my podcast co-host, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a very special thing that art can do yeah. when it can, like share a a feeling from a person you know into your into your brain that that person couldn't do as as good of a job as this piece of art is doing and i i think that's so cool i think it's why so many people had such a strong reaction to this is they either feel heard and seen by the movie or it makes them hear and see people they know and are close to in a different way than they ever have before. Yeah. It's, you know, and there's a lot of, you know, online discussion, if you will, the people that have complaints primarily about this movie are things that are like, you know, it's, it's anti-men or man hating or teaching young kid, young girls to be man haters. And I, I, it's completely, because if you paid attention, (laughs) if you got the movie, it's also the message it's again, it's the idea of like the, the toxic masculinity that comes along with the patriarchy. And I'm sure there's already people listening that are like, I've heard enough about that. It's, you know, the woke blah, blah, blah. Like I, but it's the idea that like Ken only existed to deal, to surround, to be obsessed with Barbie. And it was just as, not just as much, but a huge portion of it is Ken learning. I mean, that's literally the whole song is I'm just Ken. Um, and I'm great at stuff, you know, I'm, I'm just Ken and that's fine. Like, and, and you don't have to be, you can show emotion. You can be more than just like, you don't have to take over. And so like Ken finding out and Ryan Gosling was just so perfect that his humor and his delivery and put him in every comedy, like he's just so funny (laughs) and great, but you know, when he goes and he, he's learning one of the more biting social commentary moments was when he was like, well, then you're doing the patriarchy wrong to that guy in Century City, whatever. Right. And he's like, oh, no, we're doing it right. We're just much more <laughs> subtle about it now. And I was like, oh, my God. And me and the lady next to me were just like, oh, like, you know, there's so many sporadic claps during some of these jokes. But when he's like, I'd like to talk to a doctor. And the woman's like, I am a doctor. And he's like, just let me do one surgery. But I'm a man. Like, it's just kind of this like oh, there's so many things where you're like, I have lived that or something similar. Where you're and the Mattel, the Mattel executives too, where they're basically, which look again, like, I can't believe they got away with this. I can't believe they got- the Mattel executives are like, she's like, aren't there, are there no women here in charge at all? And they're like, no, but we're, 
He, I think, doesn't he say, I'm the nephew of an aunt? Doesn't he say that? <laughs> really it's good. It's just so clever. And it's just, you know, they come to a, at the end, yeah, I won't spoil things more than, I mean, we've said a couple of the jokes and stuff, but there's so much that it's also not just about, like, how, it wasn't just what Barbie thought men thought of her or that men were holding her down or anything like that. It was more like Barbie coming to realize that there are things that are set up or the way that society exists and the pressures that we put on ourselves or the pressures that we get from outside forces, from society, that there's this understanding that like she was, she was smart. This is what I love too, that I thought was so subtle. It's kind of like the song thing where it's like, Barbie was super smart. And, and I know Alex, if she was here, she'd definitely want us to mention her favorite quote, which was when the, uh, the daughter of America Ferreira's character, I think Gloria, um, who Barbie thinks is the one that was playing with her that got sad. So therefore Barbie got sad and started questioning her own existence, um, calls Barbie a fascist. <laughs> and, right. and Barbie's response is, I'm not a fascist. I don't control the what is it that like mean the control the of food or the railways or whatever yeah. and so it's this she was always incredibly smart but because she was quote secret um stereotypical barbie she thought that she didn't have anything to offer that she was dumb she wasn't the doctor she wasn't the you know physicist she wasn't the president um and it was just this like you can have everything you can be margot robbie beautiful you can be smart you can be witty and have these incredible clothes, whatever it is that you're judging yourself with and still not feel enough. And I think that was such an important, it's just, it was so beautifully done. And I think I cried like four or five times and you don't even realize it at first. <laughs> you're just kind of like, Oh gosh. And then yeah. it was, you know, her coming in, ugh, it was just beautiful. I'm trying I, to like, I wanted to say, I was going to say something else. And then I was like, ah, that might be too spoilery. So I'm not going to. Well, I do. I do want to say, I do want to talk about a, a moment. Cause look, I, I think the, the most, and I'm obviously speaking from the perspective of a straight white man who watched this movie. So I, I know that different moments will mean a lot more to different people for, for me watching the movie. And I went with my wife and two kids to this movie. Uh, and I do have slightly older kids. So I, I, you know, in terms of people bringing their kids to the movie, I could understand why somebody might not want to, because it's mainly because there's some slightly complicated ideas. Yeah, I think it's less on. that it's inappropriate and more that it's yeah. more complicated. I, I like, would really say there's almost nothing inappropriate in the movie. Yeah. It's nothing worse than like sort of silly bodily humor at a couple yeah. of points. But, you know, it's just some of the concepts in it are hard to grasp. But I'm really glad that my preteen slash teen kids saw something that is this weird and different and big, right? It's it's a musical comedy that is very silly, but it also, there are a couple of moments in it that are really as powerful as anything you could see in any art house movie yeah. that you could that you could go uh, that that you could imagine. And and for me, the one that really jumps out um, is maybe about a third or so of the way into the movie. Barbie is in the real world and and sits on a bench, and she's just trying to think. Um, which is also has a nice little comedic beat because uh, Ken gets really frustrated and is like, oh, I hate what you think because I have to just sit here and do nothing the whole time. But <laughs> I, but it turns into this moment where, where it's this movie is about all of the other things we've been talking about. And it is about patriarchy and 
uh, how difficult it is to be a woman, but it's even bigger than that. And I think this movie is also just about, it is a very big experience to be alive. And what does it even mean to be a person? And it it is, it it actually like uh, the, the, the discussion of gender is really important. And the main reason it's important is because actually all of us are human beings and it's dumb that some of us treat others of us like we're somehow different and live totally different uh, lives and have different brains when actually we're all, we're all Barbie sitting on that bench looking around and realizing, man, sometimes I feel sad. Sometimes people are mad at me. Sometimes I'm angry. So I'm going to get old one day. I'm going to die. Like all of these things are happening in everybody, you know,'s head all the time. And um, it's, it's an incredible thing to do in a, in what is probably going to end up being one of the highest grossing movies of all time. And it's a, and it's a movie based on a toy. Like, yeah. I can't believe. I can't believe she off. pulled it off. Yes. And Margot Robbie's, uh, Margot Robbie's she's acting in that moment is unbelievably phenomenal. good. And she's not going to get the same talk as no. Ryan Gosling. And I have yeah. nothing against Gosling. But she should. Margot Robbie should be nominated for an Oscar for this. She should. I'm she was kidding. fantastic. And she was so, it, because it was, again, like, I think there's an association with this the again, stereotypical Barbie where she was acting like, I mean, people just kind of look at her. It was as much, you know, a kind of vehicle for Margot Robbie to go through some of these discussions with herself or with the public. And it's a, because it's just, she's, stunning and she did such a great job she was so emotional she was so witty everyone like that was the thing that was so incredible is like the the timing and the 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 usage of time because for her for Greta Gerwig and the cast to pull this off and again under two hours and there are some plot holes you can go through all that stuff and be like sure. oh well yeah blah. there's but, a lot happening and some of it's goofy, there's a lot but yeah it's also it's real it has to be yeah it has to be fun for for to to get all of this in in an effective yeah. way but the the throwaway, throwaway quote unquote line early on when like they're showing you Barbie land and, and you know, they're winning awards and it's not, um, thank you for this honor. It's like, I worked hard for this. I deserved it. And yeah. that even just that is something that I think like, I know that sounds stupid. And again, there's probably people listening that are like, why that doesn't even, it does matter. Cause like, that's something where it's like, yes, rather than defer, like kind of feeling this like <laughs> need to defer and, and say, you know, like, Oh, th- you know, thank you. Thank you. I, it's I like, I worked even... hard. I didn't I, even this this did this moment that you're talking about <laughs> did not even occur to me until you were saying it right yeah. now. Which again, so cool, so it's cool, cool that it has all these little things in it that that again, I I like you said, there's a lot of really dumb dialogue about this yeah. movie. The worst people in the world, <laughs> and those people, that's not who this movie is for. And no, I don't care if they don't for like you. It. This movie right. is for, for for women and for. Men who want to listen and 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 who get cares? some little glimpse about <laughs> what the women you know think and feel sometimes. And that's less. That's an example of one of the lines where that's not like a man hating line. That's not trying to like push feminism on anybody. Like that's just a line that is important for like someone to realize. Like yeah, that's the same. If you talk to some of your um, like female friends about like the way that they hedge emails, I hedge emails 
like crazy. It's the, how, oh, I should put an exclamation point here so they don't think yep. I'm being too bossy or serious. And that's kind of, it's in the same vein as that. So it's just something that's like a helpful tool to like, if your daughter hears that, and instead of thinking like, yep. I constantly have to be, you know, and it's like, okay to say like, I got it you know like it's just kind of that sort of thing and, and and i understand like if someone hasn't seen this movie yet potentially people listening to people talk about it may not make you interested in it i cannot recommend <laughs> enough that it is it does not feel like a preachy like sermon it's a fun kind there are moments where it gets real emotional real you know there's a, she goes through this emotional journey but it's so beautifully done that i cannot wait to go see it again talking about it makes me want to go see it again like i just i'm like it's it's a comedy and like I like I said a musical comedy and that aspect of it is what makes it so rewatchable I think yeah. and I mean I I will I will definitely watch this movie many times because there are, it's also like in in as much as it has all these big ideas in it it also is a sort of laugh a minute type thing like I I, I can't tell you how many times I've big laughed in this movie and uh it's it's such a it's such a strange I, the my, the only thing I could compare my experience to when I was walking out of it I told my wife it's like I don't think a movie has made me feel that range of strong emotions since everything everywhere all yeah. at once last year which obviously went on to be a huge hit and won best picture and won yeah. every other Oscar so and and I you know. I think this movie has the chance to have that kind of impact too. Yeah. I think that it, especially we don't know what's going to happen the rest of this year with the strikes that are going on and people yeah. are already talking about moving some of the movies that were scheduled for the rest of this year. I think Barbie has just keeping it in theaters. It has a big chance <laughs> to be, to be <laughs> the, the movie of yeah. 2023. And, yeah, we, I mean, we might see we might see like the color purple and Dune two and like all of those get moved. Like we don't yep. know what else we're gonna get the rest of this year. Um, and I think too, it's it's uh, Kate McKinnon was so good. Yes, <laughs> um, really good. And, Michael Sarah was really good. Oh my god! Too. Well, and there's like a whole yeah, he was excellent. Alan yep. is a Alan's a real hero. A great addition um, to the to the, yeah. the whole thing that's going on. <laughs> and one of my, I will say, and this is a spoiler alert for one of the jokes near the end, but I have to, I have to talk about this because it's again feels like just how much Greta Gerwig has her finger on the pulse. Because there was one that was talking about like, oh, what are we going to do? Make like something about depression, Barbie, that like watches the 1995 BBC Pride and Prejudice, and I was like, right. this is an attack. <laughs> <laughs> this is a personal attack on me. <laughs> like I knew exactly the scene that they showed. <laughs> like it just was so so funny, and that's like a beat. Like that was just a beat, and then it goes into the next witty thing. And I just think she and this was kind of the thing about Barbenheimer too, is that these are two of what I think most people would consider like two of the top five, how, two, maybe even two of the top three right now. Uh, if you throw in like probably like Guillermo del Toro, but like household director names right now that aren't like the Scorsese, the Spielberg, you know, like the up and coming, the new, the yep. like. She's, she is now far and away uh, that the, the, this is the highest earning movie made by a female director yes. ever, yeah. which unfortunately that was not a super high bar to clear, but no. it's, it's a big deal. <laughs> and is. Greta Gerwig's next project 
she's going to, she's going to get a lot of leeway and a lot of, um, a lot of budget to do what she wants to do. And Margot Robbie as a producer, that's yeah. another thing we need to say about this is this movie would not exist without Margot Robbie. Literally she pitched the movie yeah. to the studio and said, you have to, you have to give this a shot. Like, I, I think she, I think her, she said her analogy was when you, when you pair up a great director with a thing that everyone already loves, it's going to be a success. And her her example that she used was Steven Spielberg and dinosaurs, Greta Gerwig and Barbie. And like, look, I, that's like, that's a huge leap, but Margot Robbie is also not that she wasn't already doing this, but she's going to get to make whatever she wants. And I yeah. think that's really cool too. She doesn't have to go do superhero movies forever. She can go yeah. make some, something weird if she wants to. Yeah. It's just been so cool to watch. Just also the very, there. They're very, again, very different movies. So it's a lot easier to market something like Barbie than it is to market something like Oppenheimer when it comes to like, you know, and it's a lot more fun to go on like a press junket or a press tour and talk about a movie like Barbie because you can have fun with it. You can answer, you know, you can have these fun games and like, I guess she... Yeah, Corian Murphy's not super fun on the press tour. Yeah, like he's not, and you're not going to crack a bunch of jokes about this new movie, Oppenheimer. (laughs) The dogs are very interested in this discussion. Um, And, but like there was one, she brought a present to Ryan Gosling every day on set as like like a motor uh, so yeah. one of the presents as you know this one of the presents was the horse book that he was reading at the wow. at his mojo dojo uh casa house amazing <laughs> and, like he's like it's a really interesting book we should make that into a movie yeah the, the horse the horse the the running theme in this movie about horses is really great i can too. never but, i can never see a horse now and not laugh i can't well, it's just really funny because it, it's like a lot, I, I think again, it works as a joke, but yeah. also at some point, Ken says basically, like, I didn't even want to do patriarchy. <laughs> I just like horses a lot. Yeah. I just watch. I, and I really think some of what the movie is about is that, like, actually, a lot of the people who are involved in, in, you know, making the world bad, upholding, yeah, upholding, are, the, are mostly doing yeah. it just because they like stuff. And there's this situation is going like, hey. You can have your fun stuff, yeah, whatever you want. So all you have to do is like play by our rules that we're telling you, and you can you can have your your you know Mojo Dojo Casa House and horse stuff and whatever. Like it's I, I do think Sublime. it's it's sort of it's it, it as much as as much as some people would have called this movie anti man. I actually think it's really cutting us a break. Uh, as it is. Gender. It's, it's I, actually like a, like, I think kind of. It, it's sort encouraging. of. Encouraging. <laughs> that like, actually not all men are not pure men. evil. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, and, and like, I, I would say it might, it might even be giving us too much of a break, but it's sort of saying like, look, that these, these guys, it's not good for them either. And they don't, they, they, they don't want this. They just don't know any other way to do yeah. it. And if, if we can come to some arrangement where nobody's being treated like a second class person, we're all going to be so much happier. Yeah. Oh man. I love it. I know we've talked a while on it. We could talk hours and hours more on this movie. Cause I just, it's just, I just loved it. I just loved it. It's, it's up there. I think if I was thinking about it, um, both Oppenheimer and Barbie and then Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and Mission Impossible 
um, are probably in my top five of, I know that's like, there hasn't been a ton of movies so far. It's, you know, and if I, if I had seen across the spider verse in time, I, I'm going to like, I'm even going to put it in my top five because I know that I'm going to love it so much. Oh, you still haven't seen it. I still it. haven't no. seen it. Cause I mean, by honestly, the time I got back from my trip, it was out of, it was out of theaters this, at the Alamo. And I was like, damn it. But no, you're right though. This, this has been a tremendous movie summer. This is the best one that we've had. I mean, obviously since before the pandemic, but even before that, this is one of the best ones that we've had in, in maybe the last decade. And I'm so, I'm so happy that the reason why is because mostly it it isn't it. And look, all of the things we're talking about are tied to IP and their big giant studio movies. But, but weirdly, the reason all of those movies you just listed are good is not because of the IP that they're associated with. It's because they put really smart, interesting filmmakers in the position to make those movies and they let them make the, the, whatever they wanted to make, even if it didn't go by the book and it wasn't, it wasn't run of the mill. I mean, you're you're talking about a mission impossible movie where the, the, the guys that made this movie kind of made it up as they went along and they were allowed to do that. And this this Spider-Verse sequel is so weird and it has so many unique characters in it. Um, and Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was made by, I would say, definitely the best director that has made a movie for Marvel in the yeah. last 10 God, years. So good. Talk about crying. Uh, so, I mean, we're, we need to, again, Hollywood sometimes learns the bad, the, the, the worst possible lesson from a success yeah, and I hope I hope that what they learn from this is that we need to be taking artists, filmmakers, and giving them the ability to make what they want to make. And uh, I don't know that they're going to do that. I think probably what they're going to do is they're going to greenlight Hot Wheels the movie, and <laughs> and then we're going to get a bunch of dumb movies that are based on toys, and then they're going to hey, be listen, Battleship to each other. is a is a top ten. No one, Oof. you know, Battleship is a winner. Uh, I will give you. One guess. It's a movie coming back to theaters for one one day. This what what do you, what am I going to see this weekend? This weekend, and, yes. it's, and it's like a special engagement thing. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It was a recent movie. Recent, huh? Mm-hmm. That I re-release. That I am very excited to go see is Alamo. I'm so it's not Maverick like a, out this weekend for. A, I'm good. Maverick is playing at Alamo this weekend. What? <laughs> So I am going for viewing like oh my I don't god know, twenty twenty one somewhere in there, can't wait. <laughs> Amazing, yeah. Well, look, and there's another example, and you know, it's IP. That might be the only way that these guys can make what they want to make right now. Yeah. But Joseph Kaczynski is a is a really interesting dude. Makes some dude, interesting. Dude, I'm like, give him more stuff. I didn't realize that he did. I loved the second Tron, like the Tron re. I did too. I thought it was really it was cool. So good. I had no idea that was him until yeah. See, same thing. Dungeons and Dragons was this year. That might be my fifth one until I see Across the Spider Verse because really Dungeons fun. and Dragons was great. Yeah. It was super fun. It was quirky and weird. They had smart producers writers directors and that duo the um goldstein and daly and they got great acting and they put it all together and it was a ton of fun just a weird and yeah it has the ip because people know what dungeons and dragons is but like it's not your normal i loved it so yeah i'd let people make weird stuff and let us go make good stuff and we'll go see it 
pay writers, yes. pay actors, yes. and and hire great directors. And yeah. because we can tell, okay, don't make AI generated movies. No, we are gonna know. We we want. We are paying ticket prices to see smart, interesting, different movies, and yeah. uh, give us more of them now, Hollywood. Now. <laughs> All of the Hollywood executives listening to this. <laughs> That's right. We're movers and shakers. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Like 66% of our audience are uh, Hollywood executives. It's, 60, it's Bob Iger's got us on his on his download list. <laughs> Ooh, a new For the Water Cooler sound. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's all we've got this week. Again, uh, sorry for for our our technical difficulties that left us without a guest this week. We definitely will have Alex on the show yeah. in the near future uh, to talk about something for sure. And you know what? She might just we might just have to give her a potluck spot. Yeah. Ooh, that would be fun. Uh, Alex definitely has uh, a very a very rich taste in film i would say so i'm i'd be and excited tv we can just have her come on and we'll talk about suits which came out years oh ago my God. <laughs> am i, I re-watching it am i re-watching it right now yes i am did i finish the walking dead yes i did wow that's an achievement we'll have to talk about that next week caroline i'm gonna have to get your impression 11 seasons you guys and the, the final season had 24 episodes in it 22 God. 24 like that was like an old school x-files season i was like too what much are we, what are too we much doing? content yeah well for now um we are available on all of your favorite podcast apps please subscribe to us please give us a rating on there if you would I, that's very helpful for us tell your friends about the podcast um and we will be back again next week with another episode of for the water cooler for now i am matt scalisi And she's Caroline Darney. Thanks for joining us, guys.